your source for big gun talk. It's off tackle empire. Welcome back to Off Tackle Empire. Once again, I'm Steve Braun, aka Thumpsaurus, with Andrew Kraszewski, and it looks like we're finally getting down to the nitty gritty because this week six here is litmus test week for some of the Big Ten. Uh, Big time chat. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. Not included in that is Indiana, who has a bye, and Wisconsin, who has Kent State. I was just gonna say big time test from the Badgers in their last non-conference opponent. Um, if they let if they let Kent State score a point, it's gonna. Wisconsin. Yeah. Nothing yeah. else to say about that, honestly. That's. I mean, Badgers can name their score. Their defense has been formidable. Picked up a couple defenses last week. This is not going to be a game. Penn State is at home against Purdue, and I personally don't know if it matters if Rondale Moore can go or not. This is just going to be a dismal year for a battered and beaten Purdue team. No, he would certainly help, and you do have to get... I mean, Jack Plummer had his moments last week. He looked a lot better than his first appearance in relief of Sindelar, but... Obviously, Purdue's offense is not going to have the same a freshman quarterback versus a rocket arm like Zillar, albeit one spires occasionally. Um, and it's also in Happy Valley, is it not? It is indeed. So, look, if you're Purdue, basically at this point, you're hoping you come out of this game without any further injuries. You regroup by this Purdue. I think Purdue has a bye next week, right? I believe so. Or no, 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 no. I think they may have already had a bye. No, they don't. They don't have another bye. No, yeah, yeah. They play Maryland. Never mind. So I was gonna say it's a good time to regroup. Turns out you're just gonna have to play another game. So, I mean, at this point, you're kind of playing for pride. You don't want to get shut out because, man, streaks of not getting shut out are kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> shout out Nebraska. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. I'm sure they feel better about keeping that alive after the way last week went. So the question is, can Penn State keep them off the board? Because Penn State's going to score on them. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, They're going to score a lot of points. And Penn State's defense has definitely been, in my opinion, the stronger and more consistent the two sides of the ball for them this year. I think we're starting to, I mean, we'll see for Penn State if that game against Maryland was kind of, you know, the, the you know match hitting the gunpowder, so to speak, and now they're off to the races. Or if maybe they stumble a little bit, maybe get a little lost in their own head and their own play calling. But look, this is still, Penn State's offense really should be pretty straightforward. It's really talented dude, give ball to really talented dude. Shouldn't be all that difficult. They don't have to manufacture offense. They don't have to scheme up too much necessarily. KJ Hamler, Ricky Slade, um, Journey Brown, Firemuth, they've got lots of guys that, that with the ball in their hand should be able to do the hard work for you. Do you think Purdue can put up any points against the first string there in the first half? Because they're going to get some points in the fourth quarter. Probably, yeah, uh, once Penn State calls the dogs off a little bit. Uh, yeah, you know... I don't If I knew if Moore was playing, I'd feel a lot better saying it. I mean, if he does and he's able to practice at all, I, I don't know. I, because I'm not, because I don't feel sure that they will, I, I think the safe answer is to say probably not. It is a noon kickoff. It's probably not going to be the most lit atmosphere Penn State's ever had. So, yeah, you, I mean, does it really matter if they do? I don't think so. Well, this is the kind of win that, that honestly, if Jeff Brown pulled this off, it would be more impressive than the Ohio State win last year. I don't know about that. <laughs> a um, road game with your... Backup quarterback and a whole bunch of... All right, yeah, I, I would entertain the discussion. <laughs> yeah, a, a road game given the circumstances sure. that they've all right. got. All right, all right, all right. But look, we're burying the lead a little bit here because we've already... We've, 
we should have put the conference game of the week first so we can hook our casual listeners and make sure you guys stay on the airwaves with us because this week, Rutgers, Maryland, classic Big Ten clash of teams that lost a combined 111 to nothing last week. Oof. Maryland versus Root Gord is going to be the coaching debut, head coaching debut for Nunzio Campanile, who is from a prominent football family in New Jersey. So I hear. <laughs> yeah, which is, I mean, kind of cool that this is a guy that gets a shot at the interim job if they're just kind of, you know, I mean, at this point, you're just punting on the rest of the season, so yeah, you got to give Rutgers fans something to watch for. you got to give fans something to watch for and maybe do something to get a little bit of positive attention in your home state as you just have a continual talent drain. I mean, our interim, when we had an interim head coach for a whole year, it was Bill Cubitt, whose main selling point was, he's not Tim Beckman! <laughs> yeah! So, Nunzio Campanile, not ideal. But it'll be interesting. I mean, you would assume in the span of a week, he's not going to be able to do much of a scheming, you know, changing the scheme. Because what are you going to do? Install an air raid at this point in the season? Like, you got to kind of go with what your players know. But on the other hand, it's not like that stuff's worked at all. So why don't you throw some stuff in there? Open the playbook all the way. Run all the goofy trick shit. God, Throw the I... ball more than 15 yards down the field. That would be a revolution in Rutgers' offense. Well, if McLean Carter comes back, they may well do that. Because uh, I think that's not just an offensive scheme thing. I think that's a thing Sitkowski's not willing to do uh, after mishaps last year. McLean Carter Dude. is more than willing to heave it <clears throat> into traffic. Well, yeah, into traffic where there's no opening sometimes. I, I do have to tell you, though, having watched Rutgers live last week, I don't think Sikowski is in the top five of problems that offense has anymore. No. He's not great. He's not going to will an offense to victory, but he looks like a different player. And that's not to say that he's good or that many other teams in the conference would probably be starting him at this point, but I have to give the guy some credit for sticking with it and making a lot of progress. That's not to say that the results are going to be much better. Plenty they haven't been. But I don't think Carter starting makes much of a difference one way or another. It makes it more fun. Oh, sure. Well, right. And so from our perspective, yes, please, start the guy who's going to fling it downfield and probably hit two touchdowns and two or three interceptions. <laughs> That's a lot more appealing. And it, look, I have to think the same thing is the case if you're a Rutgers fan. You know this season is a lost cause. Don't you want to see some numbers like you had in the UMass game versus, I mean, the Michigan... 17 for 24 for 106 yards? Yeah, I don't think you're going to see the Michigan game outcome here because Maryland's not good enough to do that. But they did it to Syracuse. That maybe I'm speaking out of turn here. So look, Maryland should win this game. They're the more talented team, but I, there's a little bit of an X factor in a new head coach. You don't know how he's going to approach the game, how the team's going to react to him. Sometimes players respond well in these kinds of situations. Other times they fold the tense. So there's there's really no telling. And let's not forget, of course, that Maryland is coming off of a shellacking and probably there what had been hyped up as one of their biggest games in the last few years. So, psychologically, a lot hyped of... Hyped up as their biggest game since joining the Big Ten. Yeah, psychologically, a lot of unknowns here. Who actually knows? I think if you... <laughs> being unable to sort through these things, you default to the talent. Maryland has a marked talent advantage this game. They should win and win. Do you remember when... I think, it was it North Carolina, whose starting quarterback was out, and so they had to play a bowl game, and they just installed a completely new 
uh, option offense. Wasn't that Baylor? No. Yeah, I'm thinking of Baylor. It was against (laughs) North Carolina. Yes. That's it. It was Baylor. I think they had like either two or three quarterbacks hurt. So, yeah, they moved a receiver to quarterback. And, yeah, like you said, they 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 just installed a completely new offense. (laughs) And it worked. And it worked. They won that game. Yeah. That was was one of the best things I have ever seen in college football. I think that was... Installing a completely new offense for one game. Yeah. It's unfortunate to give Art Bryles credit, but the guy knows offense. Yeah. It's just a matter of time he's back in coach. Um, Let's move on. I don't want to talk yeah. about that. Minnesota versus Illinois. Boy, if Illinois has an ace up their sleeve now, it's kind of the last chance to use it before the bowl hopes completely evaporate. They've had a bye week to examine all the ways that they blew it against Nebraska. Uh, I don't know. How are you feeling about this? I mean... Minnesota's been susceptible to the ground game. That's the strength of Illinois. Shouldn't be able to hand it to Reggie Corbin 25 times for a buck 50 or so? Well, yeah, we should. But I'm worried we're going to have the opposite problem of most teams in the Big Ten, in that we're literally going to fail to establish the run. There's no way to live in this conference. If you don't establish the run... How will, how will opponents know to respect the run? How many D'Antonio, Ference, and uh, Fitzgerald op-eds are going to be written in the wake of this game? See, this is what happens when you when you have the moral failing of, of not establishing the run and getting away from it early. God didn't mean for mankind to leave Earth or we would have had wings. This is why passing the ball fools Aaron. Or something. I, I I can't imagine Kirk Ferentz knows all that many complicated vocabulary. <laughs> so again, I don't know. They had a bye week, but like, what are they going to fix in a bye week that they didn't fix in a whole off season in training camp? Um, Minnesota faces a weak secondary again. Uh, the Illini secondary is awful, but boy, will they will they ever will the safeties ever spear you when you catch the ball thirty yards down the field? I really hate that about the way that we play. Not only because I think it's a shitty way to play and is a disservice to the game, but because it's, one, not effective, and two, you, you lose guys for targeting all the time. Yeah, and it's also a flag, so you add to the play. Yeah, um, it, it's, it's just an awful way to play, and I just can't believe that that appears to be our strategy and something that we take pride in. It's so horrible. However, there is a pretty good pass rusher in Wally Batiku. Um, Probably the best defensive lineman, defensive player that very few people in the conference know about. By God, virtue imagine of if we had Bobby Roundtree and the opposite of Wally Batiku. God damn it. Yeah, so, <clears throat> only P.J. Fleck can prevent the offense from rolling up points, in my opinion. Um, because you try to run into this front when, you know, probably going to stack the box. Because, you know what, I mean, we might as well. We're not going to stack the box, actually. We're going to do cover two, but... Um, right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, anyway, point is, uh, the offensive line for Minnesota has not been getting that much push. The question is, will they just continue to run it into the line anyway, instead of taking advantage of enormous mismatches? Nate Hobbs is actually good enough to cover whoever their top receiver is for most of the game, but behind him, there's nobody to cover the other two. Uh, Nebraska Northwestern. As we mentioned in the review, we are into post-September Northwestern, or at least I think we are. Now granted, trying to predict Northwestern is somewhat like trying to predict the weather. A little bit, I mean, if you're going more than 10 minutes in front of you in the Midwest here, so knowing what Northwestern is going to do, there is no, but I I feel Northwestern winning by two. 
I think Nebraska's problems are genuine and much more systemic. Maybe Adrian Martinez is a little bit of a turnover machine. We're a season and a half into his career now, and he's had issues with it pretty consistently when he's been healthy enough to play, and if he has, because he's still exciting. That's not to say that he's not an interesting player to watch, but the Northwestern defense showed a lot of signs of progress last week. I would expect that to continue. I thought that was going to be their strength going into it. And I do also think as the season goes on, the odds that Hunter Johnson ends up meshing with this offense, I mean, maybe it's just like a Civil War organ transplant. It's a disaster, but... They usually find ways to make things work well enough. That's if, been if that's been healthy. yeah, that's been the reason. Oh, that's the other factor. Although I didn't see the injury in this game, I haven't followed up. I don't know if he's gonna play or not. If he doesn't play, then forget about what I said. Nebraska win. Northwestern has nothing behind her job. If that's not. Oh man, I can't remember what the dude's name was, but he actually looked pretty capable. Aiden Smith. Aiden Smith. Yeah, he looked like embarrassingly capable in that fourth quarter, where it's just like, oh. That's right. I just always assume that that whoever's behind the starter is a flaming garbage fire, and they always prove me right when they come in the game. Oh, I guess it's not always like that at other programs. Anyway, um, yeah, the thing about Nebraska versus Northwestern is, I say this all the time, but how does Northwestern beat people? By making fewer mistakes. Nebraska makes a lot of mistakes. Yeah, not hard. Not hard. Okay, but on the other hand, Nebraska's defense should give Northwestern problems as they haven't really shown that they can beat the Bliss. Yeah, that is, Northwestern's offensive line has been a problem this year. Their run blocking has been decent if inconsistent. I think, again, with Drake Anderson, they have another really good running back on their hands, so perhaps Bowser doesn't have to carry the ball three times a game anymore. But, yeah, it, they've, uh, this line has, has been a problem. Um, obviously, Johnson, being more of a mobile quarterback anyway, has put himself in some peril. But they, uh, yeah, they, they had some issues against Michigan State and against Wisconsin. Both, I think, better defenses than, uh, than Nebraska has. But, yeah, who knows what to expect from this. So, I know what to expect from this game. It will be very dumb. Extremely dumb. Can't wait. <laughs> Speaking of can't wait... Ohio State versus Michigan State. Oh, Great. Can't wait. Don't want to watch this game. Um, Too late. Uh, I might just go see Joker instead or something. I don't know. It, it's going to be bad. I, I have no positive expectations for this game. Um, I, there seem, there's like two factions in the MSU fan base. There's there's my team, which is the people who I view as those in touch with reality of being able to look at a thing and see it for what it is and say, look... Uh, this is an Ohio State team that is a lot better than... And then there's this other faction that... Uh, lime Kool-Aid isn't that good. I don't know why you would drink it and there are other better flavors, but these are the people who are drinking the Kool-Aid. It's got a bait. Stuff like, oh, you never know. You don't believe in D'Antonio? You don't believe he can win? Yeah, sure he can, he can win. Sure he can win this game. And most of the time... Ohio State is one of the games that I mentioned when we talked about uh, Clem, uh, Clemson in North Carolina. And we talked about in the context of um, it being impossible to get your team up for every game. Oh, no, we talked about this with Wisconsin and the way they came down against Northwestern compared to their previous mission. So, obviously, you don't get your best performance out of your team every game. And I assume, usually, Ohio State is going to be one of Michigan State's better performances of the year. There is a gap, though, between these two teams at a couple of spots that there were similar gaps in 2017. Not last, last year's game was surprisingly close because Ohio State in the late stage Urban Meyer was just dicking around more often than they should have. But the 2017 game, again, that 17 team was the one MSU team out of the last three that was actually pretty good. But the game against Ohio State was over almost immediately because Michigan State's offensive line could not stop the Buckeye defensive line. And on the perimeter, Ohio State's athlete too much. 
On an offense, state makes you irate. Yeah. Does frustrate, mate. <laughs> Thank you for that contribution. I just, look, thinking individually, um, I don't know who on MSU's offensive line blocks Chase Young. I don't. I, I haven't, again, it's early enough in the week that I haven't seen a finalized injury report, but they've been playing with their fourth string left tackle for a couple of weeks now, and Tyler Higby's actually done better there than I thought he would. Clean slate. He hasn't seen Joe, or, uh, he hasn't seen Chase Young yet, and if there's a better option at left tackle, you still have Jordan Reed on the right side, and he has to match up with Chase Young. And it's not like Chase Young is their only good player. They've got these guys all across the defensive line. They've got Jeffrey Okuda in the secondary. They, you know, I, fi- I, it's, I think it's going to be really difficult for Michigan State to score points in this game. It could be one of those instances where D'Antonio comes up with a way better game plan than I expect him to, and they're in it in the fourth quarter, and that's all you can ask for. And from there, maybe let the chips fall where they may. But I think the more most likely outcome is this game is over by halftime if it takes that long. It's just fate. What is this rhyming that you... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, this sport sucks. Despite MSU being ranked, it's hard to expect a game. No, they're not. I don't think... Do you think Ohio State's offense, finally, for the first time all year, gets challenged? Because that's the only interesting thing for me in this game is... no. I mean, like... I know that Ohio State's going to win uh, comfortably. Um, but well, the question is, I mean, Ohio State's offense has not been challenged even remotely this year. They have not no. faced a defense that is anything like Michigan State's, though. I think it will be a challenge, whether it's one that Ohio State does not use vault over, I guess. We, my, 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 I made the comparisons to 2017. You know, you know what this Buckeye team actually reminds me of? It's 2000. Which is yeah. bad news for the rest of us. But look, it, if this program is operating at maximum capacity, there's not a whole lot the rest of us can do about it. Um, it sucks. I don't like that, but that's the way it is. And pretending otherwise is going to lead to a lot of disappointment. I don't have. Look, think about my mindset for this. I don't have any real expectations for how this game is going to go. If MSU loses by 40, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lose a wink of sleep because that's what I expected. If they keep it closer, that's a positive development. If they win, hell yeah, let's get drunk. So, all you can do about you know, it, it, it's it's almost like uh, I mean at this point Ohio State's just kind of like a you know an enormous tornado like where, where all that you can really do is just hide in the basement and just <laughs> maybe it doesn't land squarely on your house. Yeah, that's pretty much yeah, what it is. Yeah, all you can do is wait. <laughs> yeah, great. All right, well, let's move on to a game that should at least be more competitive. Big Nude Kickoff. Big Nude Kickoff. Michigan, Iowa. That's not a bad Gus impression. Were you going for a Gus impression just now? I absolutely was. (laughs) (laughs) You Um, just got to get really excited, and then you see, Oh, R2 is licking his paws. (laughs) With the same. Yeah, so (laughs) definitely the matchup of the week. I think the line I saw here was Iowa minus four. Four and a half is what I said. Four and a half. So, projected to be a one-score game. I do think Iowa's the better team, but this is in the big house and that matters. How do you see this game unfolding? I think uh, it might not look too dissimilar Wisconsin versus Because as we covered Hmm. in the review thing, Iowa looks like the team Jim Harbaugh wishes he had. Like, it's the team that Jim Harbaugh wants to build. They run the ball well. They can throw it when they need to. They play fundamentally sound defense. They stop you up front. Um, all the things that are, that have been as close to what you can call an identity as Jim Harbaugh Michigan has had, that's what Iowa is, but it's better. Yeah, and 
Well, I'll kind of translate what I said about the Michigan State-Ohio State game. When you've got matchups between teams that are relatively on the same level, where it's not just complete advantage for one over the other across the field, certain matchups matter a lot more. And the one, the one that obviously jumps off the page to me in this game is, uh, which offensive tackle for Michigan is going to block A.J. Epinesa? Yeesh. John Runyon's decent, but not in pass protection, and they're starting a redshirt freshman on the other side. And it's, it's hard not, to imagine they're going to be able to run at will because they haven't done it against anybody. No, and this is a better defensive front with the possible exception of Wisconsin than anything they've seen. So forget about Michigan running the ball. So that means they've got to throw it. Well, the problem there is Iowa's one of the few teams that has the defensive backs who can plausibly keep up with Collins, Peoples-Jones, and Black down the field. They could easily match up in, in their cover two scheme and prevent those big plays, keep everything in front of them, and when Michigan's in short yard situations, what's Harbaugh's instinct still going to be? Run the damn ball. Give the ball to Ben Mason on the seven-yard line when he hasn't touched it yet. That's That instinct is still irrepressible at times. It might see some introspective Harbaugh. Well, I don't know if you're going to be able to tell his move because we're in those transition classes now. I'm moving on. I'm moving on. Yeah. I'm not even that interested in the is Michigan dead narrative. I'm more focused on is Iowa good enough to challenge Wisconsin? Because Michigan's not going to win the East, but Iowa could still win the West. So let's yeah. talk about somebody that actually matters in the conference race. Yeah. Iowa. How are they going to show? Are they going to show similarly to Wisconsin? Maybe. They could. They really could do it. They don't necessarily have as dominant a running game, for certain. Certainly not. Not in terms of an individual running back, but their overall production in their running game, first of all, they go deeper. So Wisconsin had the good fortune of everything else clicking so dramatically against Michigan that when Taylor got hurt for a long stretch, it didn't matter. But it, it could have. In most, in most games, it will if Wisconsin's in a close game. They just had enough of a cushion at that point, and Michigan's offense so dysfunctional it didn't. Iowa, though, using this three-back rotation, Tyler Goodson has kind of emerged as a functional third back here. I think you're going to see more of his time goes on. Um, and I also honestly like the balance in Iowa's passing game, almost more than Wisconsin, where it feels like the Badgers are relying on Cephas downfield a lot more. Iowa's got a couple guys in Smith and Smith-Marset. <laughs> Try to keep those guys straight. Um, that distribute. That's, it feels like it distributes the pressure. Three coach Smiths more. on our staff. Come on, <laughs> keep up. We'll get, let's add John L as a consultant and call him Thorpe. I'm sure he's available. Uh, so that does it for this week in the Big Ten. Anything catching your eye nationwide? UCF at Cincinnati <clears throat> is going to be a pretty important American matchup because. You know, this is. I'm always concerned about head coaching prospects at the Power Five level, and Word. this pits, you know, Josh Heupel, who admittedly got fired as an offense coordinator at Oklahoma. Um, like to see him stay at UCF a few more years, but against a big prospect in Luke Fickle at Cincinnati, and this is this this is the. I mean, they throttled UCLA, got blown out by Ohio State, but. All, uh, that doesn't mean anything. No. Um, this game could mean a lot towards, you know, is, is he <clears throat> taking Cincinnati back to the top of this conference? Yeah. Staying in the group of five, and we'll skip a couple other lines here, um, USF and UConn. Boy, uh, if UConn beat this game, is that is that the, the finishing blow for Charlie Strong at South Florida? Yeah, USF is a program that has really prided itself on, you know, being a serious football being program. good. <laughs> yeah, they've invested a lot of money into that program. And th- this is this has gotten off the rails so fast. 
the Charlie Strong, it is a dumpster fire. Yeah, mystifyingly so. It's still not anything I can figure out. It's not like I'm studying How it. about what I've been saying the whole time? Charlie Strong is a fraud, and <laughs> always that, has been. Can't argue against it at this point. I mean, what other Urban Meyer assistants? I mean, Tom Herman is the only other guy who's had any success. I mean, it's certainly nothing like the Bill Belichick coach. <laughs> right. Um, if you're looking for quality matchups now, though, the Group of Five game of the week, in my opinion, would be Tulane at Army. Yeah, that I, I'm. You know what? I might not watch the Illinois game this week, but I'm going to watch that one. If it, I wish it wasn't at the same time as Iowa Michigan, because that I think is going to be a compelling game in our conference. But if it go, and hey, if Iowa Michigan turns out to be a blowout in either direction, that's the first thing I'm tuning to. I'm really surprised that they're allowing a network to air strong pornography in the noon Eastern time slot like that. I mean, Willie Fritz versus Jeff Munkin, these are also two head coaching prospects that I've got in mind that both do triple option related things and do them well and have taken over real struggling programs and revolutionized them. Put them in good spots and... And they're three in one. Uh, Another similarity. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're well with Army's loss only being at Michigan. I uh, can't remember two lanes, but it was of similar caliber, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that I don't recall. But in any case, um, a couple other games interesting nationwide. My my choice for prediction of the week would be Cal going to Oregon. Um, what time does that game happen to kick off? Did you notice? 8 p.m. So it's not traditional Pac-12 after dark, but. By the time the game ends, especially before overtime, um, I think that's the best candidate for Dick Tripp. And the game of the week nationally, the obvious choice for game day, um, is Auburn going to Florida. Top 10 matchup, the only, I think the only game between ranked teams other than Michigan State, Ohio State, and Iowa-Michigan. So, yeah, pretty easy choice there, I think, to now, go. Now, Florida has yet to really do anything to prove that they deserve their top 10 ranking, which, in my opinion, that will just be fuel... To the fire, if Auburn loses, that Auburn fans will use to justify fire, firing us. Yeah, sure, Florida was top, was ranked number 10, but what in the hell? They ain't played nobody. And then they come in here, and they just, we, we know that they, that they was a fraudulent team. They ain't played nobody, and they come in here and they spank us. I don't know, man. I'm uh, telling you, Paul, he <laughs> just, he does not have any more. <laughs> How long do you think Gus Malzahn will be on a job if Auburn fires him? A week? Six hours? A week? Yeah. <laughs> How many teams do you think would fire their coach just to get a shot at hiring him? <laughs> I mean, it, it, uh, if, if, if Illinois wouldn't immediately drop everything to do to, to take that, then I, I just don't think I ever have to go back. All right. More time for home maintenance. It is that season. Yes, see. Well, why don't you just do what I do and be part of the eternity? I build that equity, man. After all, if the, if the last recession taught us anything, it's that real estate is a good investment, especially the height of a bubble. Well, Somebody please kill You can see my portfolio over there. It is a big cart full of whiskey. <laughs> Tell you what, this does not depreciate in value. No, and after, after the inevitable collapse of capitalist society, uh, this will be valuable stock, so hang on to that. Your source for big and talk, it's off tackle.